0: Last week, <coughs> set your hearts on things above, set your minds on things above, uh, not on earthly things. Okay, we talked about. I had that rope. I think it's. I think it's gone now. I had that rope. Uh, we talked about how we fixate on the small portion of our lives when, in reality, we have eternity that stretches on forever and ever and ever. And so, our uh, our mission in life should be to focus on the things that God takes seriously. So hand over the totality of our being, our heart, our mind, to focus on the things of God. Last week it says, uh, in verse 3, For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with Him in glory. And so because your life is now hidden with God, because you are now fixated on things above, here's what Paul then says, starting in verse 5. Uh, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. The language Paul is using here is language that far in a way surpasses uh, this idea of simple avoidance of sin. Paul instead is saying, put to death, we're beyond just trying not to do things or not do things. But No he challenged us to, to, to take decisive action and put to death the things that belong to our earthy, earthly nature. It's got some finality and some once-and-for-allness to it. This is a total transformation. But I think one of the things that I hear often is a bit of a rub that comes up into the conversation when we talk about put to death. Again, he's preaching to the church here. He says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. And we encounter our first difficult crossroads of this conversation. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. And for us to properly understand this, we need to have, and I think I've talked about it before, but we need to have a really, really good understanding of two theological words. And here are the two words, okay? Uh, the, The first word is we need to understand what justification is. And then the second word is we need to understand what sanctification is. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. And justification, uh, for the sake of time, is simply this. Justification is being made right in the eyes of God, Uh, being made new, having your sins covered over uh, and forgiven, released from them by the work of Jesus on the cross and through the power of the resurrection. It's It's a once and for all thing. It's a Jesus did it back in 33 AD. It's taken care of. I'm trusting. And the moment you say, I'm choosing to trust in the work of Jesus. I'm choosing to believe in Jesus for the forgiveness of sins and the renewal of my life from that moment forward. You are justified in the eyes of God. He's made you new. But what we often find is that the justification, there's going to be some stuff in your life that I'm going to use the, the words, like it cleans up right away. There's, there's some stuff that the moment you're saying, I'm choosing to trust in Jesus, that, that the Holy Spirit just does a work in you and it is just gone. But for most of us, most of us, um, and it it might be more so, I don't want to say it definitively, it might be more so for those of us who have followed Jesus as a lifestyle thing. For most of us, there's stuff that for the rest of our lives, we are constantly contending with in the area of sin. I've got sin in my life. You have sin in your life. Uh, He Paul defines sin here shortly as idolatry. Sin is simply just reordering uh, God out of the first position and putting anything else—my control, my feelings, uh, possession, anything like that—into that first slot. So, for the rest of our lives, there's going to be things that we contend with. But just like a a really good workout regimen. Lord willing, when you engage in the process, you will be sanctified over the long haul, over the course of your life, and there's going to be things that at the current age you're at, you struggle with and are difficult, sin areas of your life, that Lord willing, if you trust in God and engage in the process, that 10, 20, 30 years down the road aren't issues for you anymore. I've experienced this. If you you take a cross-section of my life from like 20 to 30, there were things that I struggled with, sin issues that I came out of college with, and I was just like pastor shooting off the hip, doing whatever, and Lord willing, the, the Lord has taken control through the Holy Spirit over those areas of my life and begin to refine those areas, and that I look more like Jesus at 30 than I did at 20. And Lord willing, I'll look more like Jesus at 40 than I do at 30. And Lord willing, I'll look more like... You get what I'm getting after here. So we have justification. We've been made right in the eyes of God. And we have sanctification. The progressive experience where we're being transformed both through our participation and the work of the Holy Spirit into holiness. I'm going to reference... We'll come back to to John Owen uh, several times this morning. Uh, he's a Puritan pastor from the 1600s, wrote a book called The Mortification of Sin. Like, mortification is putting something to death. It's all about the process of that. Uh, It's, I I usually recommend stuff from the pulpit. It's pretty in the weeds. Uh, It's not like a pick up and just read casually of an evening. Uh, It's challenging it's good, but here's what he says. Believers in Christ, though completely free from the condemning power of sin, the condemning power of sin, still ought to make it their business every day of their lives to be killing the indwelling power of sin that still remains in them. So Paul's telling us to put sin to death because sin has disastrous consequences. It's not something to be taken lightly. It leads to death and destruction. Its purpose is to separate God and humanity. But very often what I see in our lives and the lives of others is we deal really delicately with the idea of sin. Now we classify and quantify uh, the really big sins. We'll, we'll want to deal harshly with the murderers and, and the abusers and, and the, the people that are taking advantage of people and things of the like. But then there's other sins in our lives that we just kind of justify and explain away. So like, no, I don't think that person should have murdered that person. How wrong are they? But yeah, I talked about Jimmy behind his back and it wasn't helpful and I'm gossiping, gossiping about him. No, I didn't go cheat on my spouse, but, I mean, yeah, who doesn't love a little bit of eye candy and, and take a look at this good-looking woman who is at the American Music Awards or what? like fill in the blank. We, we justify ourselves and we condemn others. Uh, we deal too delicately with the sin in our lives. But Paul's saying here, Because you have been transformed by who Jesus is, because he is who he is, the former ways, the ways of the world need to be put to death. And here's why. Because they're actively trying to kill us. (coughs) The picture that that came to mind, and I know this this is close for some of us, but the picture that came to mind this week was a cancer diagnosis. If you get a cancer diagnosis, you're you're running after every available opportunity. And sin in the same way is just like a cancer, it's eating us from the inside. Is actively trying to kill us. Maybe not our earthly selves, but our spiritual selves. It's actively trying to disconnect us from God. It's actively actively trying to, to further that relationship, to draw it out. And so this language can sound extreme to us, uh, but I think it's because we become desensitized to sin. And we use language like, I struggle with anger. I've been known to maybe stretch the truth a time And again, I can tend to be a tad gluttonous. Talked about this. That person, that co-worker, that country music star, that celebrity is really good looking. I hear way too much of this in the church. Um, Yeah, I overshared a little bit and I broke confidence What we do is we like we begin to justify these things and accept them into our lives. But Paul is saying we need to deal decisively with the sin that's in our life. And you might go, yeah, but that's Paul. Let's listen to the words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. You've heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body go into hell. Jesus is saying to us this morning that sin wreaks havoc on our lives and needs to be dealt with. Drastic circumstances call for drastic measures. So what's Paul say the things are to put to death? He says to put away the things of the world, whatever belongs to our earthly nature. And if you look at the list, it's things that are not a part of God's design for human flourishing. And what's the list? I don't think this is a list in its totality of every sin that exists. And so if it's not on this list, therefore it's not a sin. But instead he's probably uh, speaking contextually to some people that he knew and was aware of. And so he's speaking specifically to examples that were applicable to them. But what are some examples that he brings up? He talks about sexual immorality, (laughs) impurity, lust, evil desire, greed, which is idolatry. He talks about anger, rage, malice, which is the intention or desire to do ill to someone. Or slander, which means trashing someone else behind their back. Filthy language uh, from your lips. And Paul tells us we need to be putting them to death because if we're not careful, what happens is that earthly nature begins to take a little bit of a root inside of us. And, And over time, we've been justified in the eyes of God. Experience regeneration, the forgiveness of sins, and over time we become believers who have who have have uh, the way of the world flourishing inside of us, and we're no longer seeking Jesus. We're instead seeking the ways of the world, and so we're running after lust, and we're running after sexual immorality, and we're running after greed, and we're running after stuff that's not God. <coughs> so how do we do this? How do we go about the process of killing sin if it's trying to kill us? How do, what, do, what do we do? Well, John Owen talks about three ways that we partner with the Holy Spirit to uh, experience the, the mortification of sin. And just like I always say, this probably isn't extensive, but I think it's a good starting point. First way is the Holy Spirit. When we uh, choose to follow Jesus, Uh, we get the gift of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit lives in every believer. And therefore, we have this constant companion that we're walking through life with, hearing from, listening to, discerning with. Uh, And and so we get to partner with the Holy Spirit in the process of killing sin in these ways. Uh, The first way is that uh, the Holy Spirit just causes our hearts to be full of grace and its fruits, contrary to the flesh and its fruits. That's what John Owen talks about. He talks about, like, there's some stuff that the Holy Spirit just, like, fills you with grace and its fruits rather than the, the way of the world and the stuff that goes with it. And some stuff, like I talked about, it's, just, it's, it's more instantaneous for others. There's some stuff that when you begin to trust in Jesus, you go, this is not going to be a part of my life or my nature anymore. The second way John Owen talks about it, he says uh, uh, he m- removes a real physical effect on the root habits of sin. Meaning, uh, whatever the, if, if we're prone to lust, if we're prone to pride, if we're prone to greed, he begins to remove in us, through our partnership, through our acknowledgement of the areas that we fall short, he begins to remove in us those desires where we still have decisions to make. We still, desire, uh, we still have the decision to make uh, on whether or not we're going to lust after that person. We still have a decision to make on whether or not we're going to uh, seek greed and acquiring more than other things, but uh, <clears throat> the Holy Spirit removes in us a little bit of that unction where we get to go, you know, I, I don't know if I want this anymore. I'm going to choose to make an active and willful decision uh, now. And then the third way the Holy Spirit partners with us in, in uh, the mortification and the killing of sin is by bringing the cross of Christ into our hearts. By reminding us of who Jesus is, what Jesus has done, and what our response therefore should be—not as a guilt trip—I've seen it. I've, I've seen that used time and time again. That doesn't work. Not as a guilt trip, but uh, but as a instead of a reminder of like, oh, someone loved me enough to die for me, to die the death that I deserve to put my sin upon himself. He took the cross for me. That's good news, and the proper response to good news is a faithful obedience to the good news giver. So we partner with the Holy Spirit in killing sin, and I want to finish with this. I think a lot of people look from the outside and and they think that god is just uh just the fun police they think that god is here to police our actions and our attitudes and our and the way we go about life and um so they they look at this and they say well god's asking us to to kill these things to run away from these things and that would be a short-sighted view of the christian life because he's he's uh Telling us to, yes, put these things to death. But then he doesn't stop there. He also says, uh, clothe yourselves with. Verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with, meaning like a complete envelopment of wrapping yourselves, putting, putting on over the totality of yourself. Clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And this is the mark of our new humanity. It's not simply the avoidance of sin. There's plenty of morally good people that are not living flourishing lives under the lordship of Jesus. Because it's one sided, it's, it's halfway there. So we're killing sin, we're actively mortifying the way of the world in our lives, and simultaneously we are clothing ourselves with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. We're bearing with one another, we're forgiving one another, just like God forgave us, and these are the things that mark a new humanity. And if I'm being honest, as I talk to people who are outside the church, these are the things that they're desperately needing. These are so contrary to the way of the world. Kindness. An ability to, to be humble and practice humility rather than like posturing and trying to pretend like we're something we're not. Gentleness. Patience. Bearing with one another. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. People are only concerned with themselves. People are quick to lash out to to others. People are hateful and vitriolic in how they view others. People are harsh. People are short-tempered. People will show you no sense of patience. But Paul and Jesus is inviting us here into a flourishing life that's trusting in the Holy Spirit, working in us, that's actively running away, putting to death the way of sin that's in us, and actively flourishing and clothing ourselves with the way of God. So the question then remains for us is how seriously do we take Jesus? Do we dabble? Do we go? I, I get my feet wet. I, I I fool around. I I check it out. Or do we do we as Jesus followers take Jesus at His word and take Him seriously and go? We're going to be a people that God has asked us to be. We're going to clothe ourselves with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness, uh, forbearance and patience. All of this stuff. Again, not on our own power. We're going to trust in the Holy Spirit for it. But how seriously do we take Jesus? Are we actively putting uh, to death the way of the world that leads to death, that's actively trying to kill us? Or are we clothing ourselves, wrapping ourselves with love as God's dearly loved children? Pray with me. Father, convict us. You promise that that's what the gift of the Holy Spirit's for. So convict us of sin. Convict us of the ways where we've fallen short. But then we ask for more than conviction. We ask for a deep, deep sense that uh, we can and should put those things to death. So be it through the Holy Spirit. Be it through uh, this faith community. Will you mortify the ways of the world inside of us? Will you transform our holiness? as we pursue and follow you in everything that we do. And as you do those things, we'll give you the glory and the honor and the praise. Amen. So we're going to close uh, with one more song. So if you guys would, uh, if you're able, stand. We'll worship together.
1: Um, <clears throat> I love scripture that kind of condenses the story like my probably my first my favorite passage is Romans 8 8 Romans 8 because it just takes all of scripture and the whole story in it and it puts it in one passage and i feel like colossians is one of those that has become one of my favorites over the years and it to me it's like one big run on sentence i know it's not run on but he, you know, he kind of says, here's, you've heard about Jesus. Here's who he is, big picture, right? Like, he's not just this good guy that lived. He is over all, everything. He rules it. And
0: <clears throat>
1: and it says, this is the big picture Jesus in all of his imminence, and this is what he did for you. And then... It goes on and it says, if that's the case, if if you believe that you've been raised with him, then set your mind on that, right? And so and then everything that follows is like if if you if you keep your mind on him, then put to death and I know it, it kind of gives a like a like here's a command, like these are the things you need to do. But what I learned over the years, is that if you put your mind on Jesus, then those things, the outflow of those things, will be that you will put to death these things, and these other beautiful things will come out of that, right? And that's a beautiful picture. And so I struggle with things. I struggle with anxiety, big time. And I know that. It's a sin. I know that the Bible commands, that Jesus commands, that I don't live in fear, yet I choose to. And when I'm living in that fear, I have to step away and I have to say, This is wrong. What's wrong? My perspective is wrong. I see the world wrong. I don't see the world the way that Jesus holds things, right? And so what's the answer? And I think it's so easy for us to just say, these things are okay to dabble in, right? It's okay for me to do these things. And, and I can just keep living my life, but then I struggle with fear or whatever. And, and instead of me pressing into Jesus, I just keep living my life. And one of the things that Tiffany's really been pushing in our house is more holy in, And, um, if we could just take that, you know, to the next level with everything that we have, if we just come back to Jesus, if Jesus becomes so real to you and so real to me, what does that change? Not just in our lives, but the lives around us. So I, I picked this last song, um, my portion again, because it's coming back to, this is what it's about. It's me and him. And if I dive into him and I just give him everything and I just live in that, then all the fruit will flow from that. So sing as we think about those things.
0: So whatever that looks like uh, for you in your situation, uh, my prayer is that this week we just run after the sin in our lives. Like Jeff said, we're refocusing our lives on the person of Jesus. And, okay, since Jesus is this person, what does that mean for the rest of my life? So uh, if you feel like one of the steps that you need uh, to kind of instigate that process is prayer, I'm here, Amanda's here, Tiffany's here, Sam and Jeff's here. Plenty of people that want to pray for and with you, so I'll hang out up here. Um, and then the last thing is we got lots of ways to get plugged in, lots of ways to be God's people and be community coming up here in November and December. Uh, so Amanda's going to be at the back here in a little bit with uh, a calendar for, through the end of the year. So grab one, uh, put the stuff on then, whatever calendar you keep, and plan to be a part of all the stuff we got coming up. So as you guys go, go in the grace of Jesus and the love of the Father and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Hope you have a good week.